bless your holy name we magnify you Jesus we magnify all that you've done for us we thank you father for the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning I pray father that he would think through my mind and speak through my lips I thank you father for the transformation that takes place in our lives as we receive and take hold of the Word of God we love you, Father. We thank you so much for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start in James chapter 1 this morning. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be per perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. <clears throat> but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. We live in a day that was prophesied where men will wax worse and worse I believe with great conviction that we are the generation that will see Jesus come back I believe that for a lot of reasons but one is I just don't see how the world can keep going the way that it is much longer And as a result, the Bible tells us some things about what will happen in the last days. One of the scriptures we use pretty regularly is Haggai chapter 2. Let me remind you of that, beginning in verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. That desire of all nations is the manifestation of the sons of God. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. We talk about the glory of God and, and I certainly believe that the latter day glory that's uh, spoken to be greater than the former will include signs and wonders and miracles healing in great measure all the things that we see happen in the book of Acts especially in the early part of the book of Acts where the glory of the Lord was revealed through miracles and healings I believe that those things will continue I believe that we'll see a, a greater move of the Holy Ghost in that direction but one thing that the Lord really arrested me to notice some time ago is the last part of that uh, passage that we just read where it says, and in this place will I give peace. In this place will I give peace. Now, folks, why would God say that? Why would it be necessary for the Holy Ghost to inspire the prophet to tell us that peace would be a distinction 
in the last days. Isn't the peace of God available to us all the time? Hasn't the peace of God been available to every generation? Why is he singling out peace? The implication is there's no peace anywhere else. But there will be peace in the house of God. Well, if we're going to operate in peace, a, a supernatural measure, and I just don't know any other way to, to describe it than that. If there's a supernatural operation or measure of peace that's promised to the church, then shouldn't we exercise ourselves to operate in a way so that peace can govern our lives? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptation means test, trials, or affliction. It means adversity. When you find yourself in trouble, count it all joy. Well, the reason that we have to count it all joy is because it's not joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. One translation says that you'll walk in the complete blessings of God. What we know determines whether or not, or determines the level of peace, the measure of peace that we experience in our lives. Count it all joy knowing this. Well, what does he want us to know? If we don't know that the trying of our faith worketh patience, if we don't know that the reality of the work of patience in our lives and what it will produce, if we don't know those things, then we'll miss out on the blessings of God when trouble comes. Jesus said in the world, the world will experience tri uh, tribulation. He said, but don't worry, I've delivered you out of half of them. No, his deliverance is available for all the trouble that we find in the world. Knowing this, knowing this, most of the world doesn't know either how to walk in defeat or walk in victory in the midst of defeat according to circumstances. Much of the church world doesn't know the power, the victory that comes as we allow patience to have its perfect work. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, to the uh, Jews in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. And he said, not to be slothful, but to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The key to victory is let, letting faith work in the midst of trouble, in the midst of, of the storm, so that patience is developed. Folks, I think all of us want patience, but we want it right now. Which is contrary to the way things work. There's a, a verse of scripture in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is Luke's account of what we read so often in Matthew 24. It's when Jesus was talking to the disciples about end times operations, end time events. 
And he said in Luke chapter 21, verse 19, it says, In your patience possess you your souls. In your patience possess you your souls. Now we know that the, technically the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Peace and patience operate together in a great degree. In other words, you can't have peace or you won't be able to let peace rule your life without patience. Now, the only thing that ever develops patience in us are the things that take a while to take place. If everything, if every prayer, if every word that we spoke came to pass instantly, it would be impossible for us to find patience. It would be impossible for us to develop patience. Yet patience, according to Paul, or the Holy Ghost writing through Paul, identifies patience as a necessity to take hold of the blessings of God. In your patience possess you your souls. Let me go back to James chapter 1 and skip down to verse 17. I'm sorry, it's verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now James is writing to brethren that are scattered around, primarily the Jews, that had been scattered throughout the world because of persecution. So we know he's talking to people that are saved. We know he's talking to people that are born again. But one of the great truths that unfortunately is a mystery to so many Christians is that salvation does absolutely nothing to affect your soul or your mind. Faith is of the heart, the spirit of man. And it's by faith that we're saved through the grace of God. But that salvation experience, when it occurs in the heart or in the spirit of any individual, every individual, does not affect his mind or his body. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12. In verse 1, he said, Present your bodies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Most translations translate that as spiritual worship. Worshiping in spirit is not singing or speaking in other tongues, although that brings great benefit to us as believers. But worshiping in spirit, as Jesus said that we must do, he said God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Worshiping in spirit there 
means presenting your body a living sacrifice. Turning your back on the temptations of the flesh and resisting evil. But then he goes on to tell us how. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may experience or prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The only way we're ever going to develop ourselves in the faith and the patience of God which are necessary to take hold of the promises of God is by the renewing of the mind. And that renewing of the mind, learning to think the right things, that renewing of the mind transforms us. It transforms us into the kind of believers that operate in the power and the authority of God as given to us through the new birth. So here James says in verse, chapter 1, verse 21, to receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. In other words, to renew your mind to think the right things. Now in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious, don't fret, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Then he goes on to say that if we'll do that, that the peace of God which passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's the renewing of the mind again. Here's the, the place where we allow ourselves to develop patience so that we receive the end of our faith. Then he goes on in verse 8. And he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are just, lovely, good, and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Renewing of the mind is learning to think what God's word says and to accept it as truth. Now, folks, you remember in Mark chapter 4, Jesus speaks of the parable of the sower sowing the word. And this parable is really important because it's the baseline for all other parables. When the disciples asked him for clarification on what the parable meant, he said that the whole kingdom of God was dependent on understanding this parable. Everything that God wants for you, everything that Jesus has purchased for you and for your benefit comes down to understanding how this parable works. And so he described it to him. He said people are like different types of ground. When the sower sows the word, some fall by the wayside where immediately they're taken away. Satan comes immediately and steals the word from their hearts. Some people are like stony ground who receive the word of God, but affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, and they're offended, and they turn loose of what they had heard. Then he says that some people are like thorny ground who receive the word of God, but then it gets choked out by the cares of this world 
the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Finally, there's the good ground that bring forth multiplied results. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, he said. So it all comes down to the renewing of the mind. If we renew our mind to the truth of the word in the right place that the word of God should hold in our lives, then we don't get carried away with the cares of this world. We don't get distracted by the deceitfulness of riches. We don't let desires for other things become as important as the word of God is for us. So the key to producing hundredfold results, or any results really, comes down to the renewing of the mind. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Solomon writes, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Now those things he just described, inclining your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Those are all results of renewing the mind. Those are characteristics or aspects of renewing the mind. He goes on to speak of other things as well. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids Look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. That's renewing the mind. It's choosing to let God's word be the focus for not just what we believe, not just what we speak, but what we think. There were two times in Jesus' ministry where he credited somebody as having great faith. Now we've got a lot of places where people had little faith. Jesus upbraided his disciples on several occasions for their little faith. But he came across some people that had great faith. One was in Matthew chapter 8 with, in the centurion. He sent word, the centurion sent word to Jesus that he needed his help for the healing of his servant. And Jesus, <clears throat> because this man had showed favors to the Jews, he had helped build his, uh, the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion, either he or his representatives, answered Jesus and said, there's no reason to come to the house. Speak the word only and my servant shall live. And then he went on to explain why he felt that way or why he took that position. He said, for I am a man under authority. And I say to the soldiers that, that are under my command to go and do something, they do what I tell them to do. If I tell them to go and do something, they do it. If I tell them to come to, to me for some other purpose, they do that. 
his mind was renewed to the fact that Jesus had authority over sickness. He knew that the only way Jesus could heal in the manner that he had heard of was if he had authority over sickness and disease. And that simple truth, that simple reality caused him to have greater faith than anything that Jesus had found among the Israelites. He said, no, I've not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And it was all as a result of the renewing of the mind that the centurion had undergone. Now, I don't pretend to say that the centurion was a real spiritual person. We don't have any reason to think that. And so it wasn't some 12-step program for him to renew his mind to the truth of healing. It was just a natural thing because he came from a position of military authority. But regardless, he had renewed his mind to the reality that Jesus had to have authority over sickness and disease to perform the healings that he had heard of. There's another instance in Matthew chapter 15 where Jesus went to a certain place outside of the territory of Israel. And there was a woman that came to him. There were no crowds. Apparently there wasn't much of anybody that knew where he was. And she came to him and she sought healing for her daughter. And Jesus first didn't answer her. She was not a Jew. And so in one sense healing really didn't belong to, to her or any of the other Gentiles. So he didn't answer her. But that didn't stop her from worshiping him. Finally, he did answer her. And he said, I'm not sent but to the all sheep of the house of Israel. He said, it's not right to cast, take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now that would seem to be a racist statement. Good thing Jesus didn't come today. He wouldn't get away with a lot of things he said. But she didn't give up. She fell down before him and worshipped him. And said, Lord, help me. She even argued her case based on what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he finally said to her, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was healed. Whatever else we could say about this story, it's without dispute that she had renewed her mind to the healing mercy of God. We could probably put the woman with issue of blood in that category too. 
when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, she reached out and touched his clothes. And Jesus knew that virtue or power went out of him. And he turned him about in the press and said, who touched me? And the disciples, seeing the multitude, said, Master, the multitude throngeth thee. In other words, everybody's touching you. Everybody's doing the same thing that she did, but nobody else got the results she get. She told Jesus what had happened. And Jesus commended her for her faith. He didn't call it great faith, but it seems pretty great to me. It wasn't the physical action of touching his garment that did the job. It's the fact that she touched him in faith. I would submit that she had her mind renewed to the healing power of God, the healing mercy of God, to such a degree that she took action to touch him in the crowd when according to the law of Moses she could have been stoned for getting close to and mingling with people. And be ye not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, we've been praying for a long, long time. According to Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. But I think there's something else we need to add to that prayer. We need to add the renewing of our minds to the goodness of God, to the power of God, to the blessings of God, whether they be healing or provision. For some reason or another, the Bible's time after time talks about the provision of God. The silver and gold is mine, saith the Lord, according to Haggai chapter 2. So we need to renew our mind to the things that God said are ours. He declared that healing belongs to us. We need to think in line with that. He said that provision was ours. We need to think in line with that. He said that peace was ours. We need to think in line with that. One of the greatest things that rob people of the blessings of God has nothing to do with the power of the devil but the power to make us think contrary or the influence to make us think contrary to what the word of God says that's the real thief that's the thing that robs us of what's ours What are we going to do about that? Well, the only thing that brings blessing is the renewing of the mind. 
And a part of what we have to renew our mind to is that things don't happen overnight. Part of what we have to renew our mind to is the efficient and effective work of patience. James has talked a lot about patience that we've read in chapter 1, but he also tells us to be patient concerning the end times. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. For the Lord has long patience for the precious fruit of the earth. He has long patience until he received the early and the latter rain, the move of the Holy Ghost. This move of the Holy Ghost that will bring forth the glory of God. This move of the Holy Ghost that will bring forth peace. A supernatural measure of peace or a supernatural working of peace. So that it is recognized in and among the church. Much more so than perhaps any other time in the history of man. There's got to be a reason Jesus singled it out. And like we said before, peace has always been available to the believer. But there's something about peace in the last days. There's something about the peace of God that's brought on by being patient and the development of patience in us and in our lives. There's got to be some reason that Jesus singled it out for the last days. And it all comes down to the attention that we give to the Word. I thought of something this week that I've really never thought of before. And that is I always minister according or from the perspective that the people I'm talking to want to put the Word of God first place in their lives. Most Christians don't want to do that. If you ask them about it point blank, they'd say they do. But most Christians fall into the category of either the wayside ground, the stony ground, or the thorny ground. Most Christians don't want to do what it takes, put in the time and the effort to meditate in the Word and build it on the inside of you. Most believers would rather just pray a prayer and have God answer their prayer so that they don't have to do the work themselves. Let me read something to you from Psalm 107. Psalm 107, we know verse 20 because it talks about healing. But let me back up to verse 17. Fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. You know, most of the trouble we wind up in in our lives is self-inflicted. Sometimes it could be self-inflicted because we just don't know. But sometimes 
the trouble we find ourselves in comes as a result of us doing something contrary to what we know should be done. So it says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. That's a reference to rejecting the word of God. Well, that'll cause you trouble in life. But notice where it starts from. It starts from a position of sinful man and sin being the cause, the root cause for trouble in this life. Well, what's the answer? The answer is the word of God. But a lot of people draw back from that. They don't want it that way. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Now, thank God, God's always there for us in trouble, even at the last minute. But that's not the way he wants it to be. He wants us to give attention to the things of God before we get to the last minute, before we draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. Now, how is he going to do that? How does he save us from our distresses? Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. We started healing school on Sunday nights more than 10 years ago, probably 12 years ago or so. And I just had it on my heart to teach every Sunday night on the subject of healing, faith and healing. And word got out, to some degree at least, and people that were sick or had different ailments, different circumstances of sickness, would come to the church. Not people that were a part of us already, but people coming from the outside. And of those people that came from the outside, and there have been hundreds of them through these last 12 or so years, of those people that came from the outside, it's less than half of 1% that ever wanted to take hold of their healing by the word of God. But the vast majority, over 99% of them that came, would come for one service and then come up afterwards and want me to pray for them so that God would heal them by prayer. Now, folks, God does heal by prayer. James 5.15 says, In the prayer of faith shall heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. But God's method for healing for his children is to take the word of God, renew our minds to it, speak from our heart in faith, and take hold of his word. And so for the most part, people from outside the church have come to healing school and asked me to pray that God would do something contrary to what he said that he would do in his word. He sent his word and healed us. He sent his word and healed us.
Oh, that men would praise him for his goodness. That's what it says. It goes on in verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So here in these scriptures, the psalmist, this is a psalm of David. David's telling us how healing comes. Healing comes by turning our back on the things that got us into the trouble to begin with. And accepting the truth of the word of God. Entrusting our lives, our bodies, our health into God's hands. And begin to speak the word of God. And healing occurs. Or healing results. In other words, renewing your mind. Renewing your mind to a different way than you might have expected. There have been a lot of times where people would tell me before they asked me to pray, they'd tell me about how God had healed them in the past. And the way that he healed them in the past was just according to his mercy because they might have been baby Christians or in some other circumstance. But loads and loads of people, so much so that it really surprised me, would tell me about how God had healed them in the past. Well, it wasn't according to their own faith because they didn't have any faith. They didn't know what the Word said about healing, so there's nothing to build faith on. And they were always wanting God to do it the same way that he did it before. And I never got anybody any results like that. I'd tell them. I'd say, I can't promise you that God will do it just like he did before. But one thing I can tell you is that the word always works. Well, they just wanted me to pray like before. I started off by refusing to pray. But it would make them mad. And it really wasn't worth getting them upset about it. So I'd just say some little prayer. Lord, do it like you did before. Knowing full well it wasn't going to happen. It certainly wasn't my faith that was going to make it happen. Because I didn't have any faith in what they were doing. And of course it never worked. And they never would come back to find out a different way. Never had one of those people come back and say, well, that didn't work. Show me how to get it on my own. Folks, the renewing of the mind is spiritual growth. You'll never be more mature 
as a Christian unless you've renewed your mind from thinking like the world thinks. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's looking for transformed believers. He's looking for transformed believers. Paul told the Corinthians, or the Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, he said, If you be risen with Christ, set your affection on things that are above and not on the things of the earth. What things are we supposed to set our affections on? What above things are we supposed to set our affections on? Well, the Word of God is spirit and life, Jesus said. So that would certainly qualify. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we learn to transform ourselves, when we learn to, to think in line with what the Word says, then a transformation process begins to take place. And that transformation shows up quickly in our lives. It won't be instant. It won't be overnight. But there's a transformation process that begins that brings us into the reality of what belongs to us in Christ Jesus. It makes the kingdom of heaven available to us. It makes all that Jesus purchased for us a reality in our lives. There is no greater or more important work in the life of the church in any age, early days, last days, than the renewing of the mind. It's when we renew our mind to the truth, when we renew our mind to what God's Word says is ours, that's when God can have free reign and free course in our lives, in every part of our lives. I suppose we could say that in Haggai chapter 2 where it says the desire of all nations shall come. Paul identifies that for us as the manifestation of the sons of God. Well, What is the manifestation of the sons of God if not believers with renewed minds? That manifestation of the sons of God comes about as a result of our renewing our minds to the truth. There can be no manifestation of the sons of God if we don't develop ourselves to think and believe what God's Word says. 
there are a lot of things that are happening in this present day and time that make you shake your head. I have been more surprised over the last 18 months at the actions of believers people believers people that love God with all their hearts have done more stupid things over the last 18 months than any other time in the history of our church they've taken actions that don't make sense steps away from God that have left me just scratching my head. And I know the reason for it. The reason is these are last days, and the last days talk a lot about be people being deceived. But I'm talking about people doing things that are way out of character for them. over a, a span of time people that we've known for 20 or 25 years in some cases people that if you ask me would you expect them to ever do what they did I'd have to answer no, no way But what was the cause of these things? They began to think things other than what the Bible says. They allowed wrong thinking to put them in a position of jeopardy or to rob them of what the Bible says is ours. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or experience what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Folks, if we don't think right, if we don't think in line with what the Word says, if we don't build God's Word into our hearts so that we can think it, then we'll be robbed of all the things that the Bible says belongs to us. We'll be robbed of what Jesus purchased for us. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as I said earlier, I'm always preaching the word or teaching the word from a position that the hearers want to know what the word says and want to walk in the Word and build their lives on the Word first and foremost, more so than anything else. I know that's not the attitude and the position of everybody. But I take for granted that you're here because you want to grow spiritually. I take for granted that you're here and that you come here because you want to take hold of whatever thing all the best of God's blessings through Jesus. I assume and take for granted 
that you want God's best and only God's best. I assume and take for granted that you want to be transformed by the word of God. Without exception. And in every area of your life. I have to believe. That that pleases God. I have to believe. That that helps protect us. And create a bubble of protection for us. And our church has been protected. In some ways, the last year plus, which has devastated so much of the country, very much of that has passed us by. And I believe that's exactly the way God wants it. God has taken care of us in the smallest details. Not just big stuff, but in the smallest of details. And I don't believe he's done yet. If he'll take care of us in the small things, how much more will he work to take care of the big things? Folks, we have a platform. We have a foundation to see God answer prayers that he tells us to pray. For example, when we ask him for the rain, we've got a foundation, a history of putting the word of God first of building our lives and building our church on the word of God. We wouldn't expect that God wouldn't answer prayer, would we? No, we can pray with confidence from the right hand of God the Father. That just exactly what God said he would do will be done. So based on just the prayers we've already prayed. We need to lift our hands and lift our hearts in gratitude and thanksgiving. For the glory of the Lord that God promised. Let's do that right now. Father, we bless you. We worship you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Father, that the word of God is true. John told us that if we ask anything according to your will, then we know you hear us. And since we know you hear us, 
you answer our prayer. So, Father, all the prayers that we prayed for the glory of the Lord to be seen and known, we thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. We thank you, Father, for manifesting your glory. We thank you, Father, for signs and wonders and miracles. We thank you, Father, for a manifested presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that you have done exactly as we've asked because we used your word as the basis for what we've done. Since you told us to ask for the rain, we know it's your will to pour out the rain. So we just give you thanks for that, Father. We thank you for pouring out your spirit upon us. We thank you, Father, for pouring out your spirit upon us in such a way that it brings people into the kingdom of God. We thank you, Father, for hearing and answering our prayer for the precious fruit of the earth. We'll be patient, Father, as we already have been. Knowing this, that you're bringing us to the place whereby answering our prayer, we see your glory. We glorify you, Father. We manifest our praise. We praise you for the goodness that you've shown unto our church and our people. We thank you, Father that the trying of our faith is developing patience. And we declare that patience shall have its perfect work in us. Guide us, Holy Spirit, into the fullness of the things of God for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may experience what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen. Let's all stand. Say it with me, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Thank God for the glory of God on our lives and upon our church. Amen. Nandura <laughs> 
and then go around and draw some more. They're coming. 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 They're Something the Lord just revealed to me. We've been teaching the truth of the word for 35 years. I don't know, 36, somewhere. I saw it as in little 
quick mini vision, as Brother Hagin used to call it. But all the teaching of the word that we've done has been like building And all it's going to take is one miracle healing. I saw the tinderbox. I saw the miracle healing take place. And I saw the whole thing go up in flames. I believe that's exactly the way it's going to be. Not with effort not with striving on our part or any man's part. Just a simple and pure work of the Holy Ghost that'll be much more far-reaching than we would ever imagine. Be it unto us even as you've spoken, Lord. Be it unto us even as you've shown me. One miracle healing, one small move of God, and I saw the whole thing catch fire. Oh, that men would praise God for the goodness that he's shown unto us. We love you, Father. Be it unto us even as you've shown us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, folks. I thank you for your commitment to the Word. I thank you for putting God first in your life.